Hockey is back. Save 40%. It really is just as simple as that. And hockey isn't just back. It's back in an unprecedented way for the National Hockey League. 24 teams in two bubble cities. From the moment the puck was dropped on the NHL's ambitious return to play, the intensity has been incredible. In October, we're going to see a Stanley Cup awarded to end the seminal 2020 playoff year. You don't want to miss a moment. And if you ask yourself, what does it mean? What does that moment mean? What does that coach say or do? How do we put this all in perspective? Well, it's easy. Subscribe and read to The Athletic. Pretty simple stuff. We've got a great team in Edmonton. Dan Robson, our incredible senior writer, is there chronicling this unprecedented move to get the playoffs underway and completed in this most difficult of times. Pierre Lebrun, you're listening to him here on this podcast at the top of his game. Writers everywhere following their teams, preparing for a draft, preparing for an incredible offseason that will be complicated by the pandemic. You shouldn't go anywhere else if you want your hockey coverage than The Athletic. It's as simple as that. And did I mention save 40%? So don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. And if you go to theathletic.com slash advantage, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Hockey is back. And yeah, other sports too. But really, hockey is back. And you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash advantage for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope to see you there. Hey everybody, Scott Burnside back for another edition of Two Man Advantage, the podcast. And you'll have to excuse me if I get a little choked up. For the first time in more than a month, my good pal Pierre Lebrun joining us. Pierre, last time I saw you, you sent me a picture. You were driving your boat uh, up at the cottage, and I swear it was a promo for Narcos Muskoka. You had kind of <laughs> wild hair, unshaven. And then I see you, you're, you're back at TSN, you're got clean shaven you're looking really you know sleek and nice ready to to get back in the the groove and i wonder what it's been like for you to adjust from you know cottage life to hitting the ground 100 miles an hour of course uh, with the return to play and the cornucopia of hockey we've seen over the last few days what's that been like for you well as, as james duffy mentioned on our hit on sports center after the penguins habs game the other night the one thing I didn't do is get a haircut, so I got the hockey oh. hair going from the from the late '80s, early '90s when I uh, used to play for the old Hearst Lumber Kings. There, uh, my wife's not a big fan, but my kids love it, so I think I'm gonna rock it for at least another month. <laughs> well, I got to tell you that I haven't had a haircut. Uh, I had a a porch haircut, uh, but I'm still I'm looking, you know, like I'm thinking of going with the the man bun. No, I don't do any TV, so no one will know. Oh my. But, uh, uh, I will tell you, our guest here, listen, 
Corey Schneider always looks good to me, but we've seen him in the last few days on air with NBC covering uh, the the return to play, the, the first round of the playoffs. And, Corey, I don't think you've ever looked better. And uh, but, but to me, your analysis overshadows how you're looking in your hair, and that's saying something. So I, I wonder what it's been like for you to step back into – you know, you, you you know, as a member of the New Jersey Devils, it, it, you're in a bit of a, I don't know whether dead zone or not, but it's in that, in this great pause. But now you're back, you're back in it. And I wonder what that transition has been like for you to step into the studio and, and, uh, and share your thoughts on what's been unfolding on the ice in Edmonton and Toronto. Uh, well, I, I appreciate the flatter of the hair. As, as a redhead, it's, it's always been an obstacle to overcome uh, the hair color. Truth. And uh, Truth. just a quick aside on that, you know, I think it was in March, I had a haircut scheduled in New Jersey, literally the, the day the world stood still, like literally shut down the whole state the day I was supposed to get my haircut. And uh, credit to my wife, she was like, just go for it, lean into it. And uh, she's been my, my hair consultant on how to, because uh, I, I, you know, it, it I can't complain. It's, it's a blessing to have like a full, thick, coarse head of hair, you know. Um, but she's like, you gotta, you gotta condition and oil this thing. Like your hair is, is, it's a creature. So she's, I have to give her a lot of credit for just like coaching me through this and uh, getting it to where it's been a labor of love, I will say. So, uh, I appreciate that. I don't know how long it's going to go for. Uh, it's kind of been like a quarantine thing. So anyways, now the hair, hair talk is over. Um, yeah, you know, what? It, it's, it's been fun. Just this whole situation is, it's just been bizarre for everybody. I think, you know? you go four months without really even thinking about hockey, you know, you you try to stay engaged, you try to stay plugged in, but you know, life, life demands other things. I got two young kids. Uh, you know, I, I have other things to, to do now that I'm home and around and, and, uh, available, which isn't always the case during the season. Um, so hockey just kind of like, it, it just, you know, you, you sort of knew what was coming. You saw the rest of the world and how, um, you know, things were heading and you kind of said to yourself, you know, I I don't know if we're going to come back and play at all. And for me, you know, they, the NBC called me a couple weeks ago and asked if I was interested in more than anything for me, it was like, Hey, you know, I'd love to start talking hockey again, just get my mind back in the game, think critically about the game. And uh, you know, cause if we don't have training camp until November, December, potentially, you know, that's, that's seven, eight months without really, having to think about hockey, which is a long time, especially at my age, you know, the older you get, uh, you, you don't slip back into it as easily as you could when you're younger, where you can just pick up your, your stick and you put on your skates and go play. So uh, I think for me mentally, more than anything, just engaging and thinking critically about the game and breaking it down. It's been fun. It's been nice to, you know, do what I love and, and uh, you know, hopefully what I'm, what I'm good at, <laughs> according to you guys, I appreciate the, the love on the analysis. Uh, you know, maybe we just need more goalies in the world. That's all. Well, and, and certainly you stayed busy, not just family-wise, but I know, uh, you know, during all the negotiating, you were on a lot of calls through the PA. And, of course, we know that you volunteered a lot of your time over the years uh, on the competition committee. Um, but, you know, during this, um, I don't know if you're the player rep or the alternate rep for the Devils, but I know that you were on, on a lot of calls and staying plugged in. I mean, what was that process like? You know, because those are those can be emotional calls because it's hard to please, please 800 players. And, and when the executive board, you know, the 31 reps plus the other reps get on there, you're trying to do what's best for everyone, but it's, but it's tough, right? It's, it's not easy. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting to be honest. It was fascinating in a sense. Um, 
you know, I, I, I think a lot of the groundwork was laid in the fall, just, you know, on some of the, you know, ancillary items of the CBA, you know, the, the benefits, the health, the pension, things like that. So they'd been talking, which I think helped and, uh, you know, just made, allowed us to focus more on what was happening now. Um, but they, you know, I, I give the, the, the union leaders, Don Fear, Matthew Schneider, the player, you know, the DPRs, the district player reps, and the whole staff, like a lot of credit, like they, they had so much going on, like a lot of balls in the air that they were simultaneously trying to hammer out an extension, which is, you know, foreign to all of us, obviously, <laughs> peacefully um, for the last 20, 25 years. And uh, while yeah. trying to navigate a pandemic and get everyone back playing safely and, you know, being healthy. And it, it was unprecedented, in, in my opinion, just in terms of the amount of work and uh, focus and detail that had to go into everything. Because, you know, you got to you got to dot every I and cross every T, not only the CBA, to make sure that nothing, you know, is kind of slid in there at the last minute, but also on the return to play protocols. And they they did it all. So, you know, some calls could drag on, or, you know, got a little dry at times, um, just talking about, you know, health, you know, stuff and what's going on. But um, I, I just the pace at which it moved and, and, you know, how things were developing and changing almost weekly, um, was interesting, and, and I like that kind of stuff. I, I find it interesting to know where the game's going and where what are we doing, like why are we doing it. Uh, you know, there are a lot of guys who just want to play, and that's that's totally fine. It, it's a hard game, and it demands a lot of your time and energy. And I totally understand that. Um, but from my standpoint, I, I I like being involved. I like to, like I said, not not have a say. We all have a say, but um, you know, maybe have some input, maybe share some thoughts and ideas on like, hey, how can we how can we make the game better? How can we uh, do this so it works out for everybody so um yeah I, I was frankly i was pretty astonished at how quickly you know both the players and the league just sort of came together and you know said hey look the world's in a tough spot right now there are a lot of people who are a lot worse off than we are so let's keep that in, in mind and uh let's figure out a way to do what we do to entertain to to distract to you know hopefully provide joy <laughs> depending on who you root for um, to these people who just, you know, they're going through a lot worse stuff than we are. So, you know, that, obviously we had to keep in mind our goals and, and you know, self-preservation, all that stuff. But uh, it was it was actually, it was great to see, like, the collaboration and, and how both sides came together and just put aside their differences. Because, you, you know, look at baseball and the acrimonious fight they went through and, you know, was it really worth it? You know, and now the, you know, the league, you know, it's, it's been tough sledding for them in terms of testing and, you know, it seems like they kind of didn't go about it the right way. And you're sort of seeing the consequence of that. And I just really appreciate all the time and effort and detail that was put in on both sides to make this thing happen. And, and it's been going off, uh, I think, great. I think the hockey's been great. Everyone's healthy. And, um, you know, I think they're doing it the right way. Yeah. Corey, I, I just want to piggyback on that because, I mean, your your knowledge of the game is so broad and, and you really do understand the inner workings, maybe more so than 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 lots of, of people. And I, I, to me, it's we've sort of we've turned some sort of corner, I think, in terms of players feeling comfortable enough to speak about um, sensitive topics. And, you know, obviously starting with Matt Dumba and his, uh, I thought, rather incredible presentation before the the first Chicago-Edmonton game, talking about racism and and how the NHL needs to do and be better and, you know, following that up and and to see guys like Tyler Sagan and Jason Dickinson of the Dallas Stars kneeling alongside Ryan Reeves and Robin Leonard of the uh, Vegas Golden Knights before their round-robin game. And... uh, 
I wonder if he, as a player, whether you feel we are in a, you know, whether we've stepped into a different kind of reality in terms of players and speaking about things that are important and social justice issues. Uh, I, I wonder what you've, you've made of all of that part of it that is connected to the return to play. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope, I hope we're heading in that direction. Um, you know, hockey, hockey players are, are, really good people you know you, you very rarely find a bad person you know staff coaching players it, you guys know it's a tight-knit culture um however i think there's this this expectation that you stay in your lane you know you, you do your thing you go about your business you don't rock the boat and uh you know you just you kind of just go about your business and, and i think that's sort of the hockey player mentality and it has been for a long time and you know again teach their own if, if you know if you want to focus on playing hockey it's like i said it's it's a hard it's hard to do this at the highest level you know it's a lot of pressure a lot of expectation a lot, a lot of time and energy so you know i understand if you know you don't um want to do anything extraneous to to take away from that however i, I just feel with where the world is and society and these you know these really important issues that are are present and affect a lot of people it affects our fellow americans you know um, you know, it, it'd be, it, yeah, I think it'd be great if, if hockey players are more outspoken. I think there's a lot of smart, articulate, funny guys who can communicate well. And, you know, you get the, you get the kind of ribbing of guys. That's the hockey cliche, you know, it is what it is. We worked hard, you know, and I think just cause guys don't want to deal with, you know, stepping in it and, and making a scene and having to answer questions about saying something, uh, you know, controversial. Um, but I, I, again, I don't think this is controversial. I think this is a, incredibly uh relevant and important issue in our society as a whole and you know people might look at you and say you know just shut up and and shoot the puck you know like do just just do what you do we don't want to hear from you about uh what's going on in the world and again that's fine too that that's if that's your opinion your thought on on what athletes are they they're just here to entertain that's cool um but i think as players we have to recognize that not many people are afforded platforms to, to speak, to make change, to impact people. Um, you know, I don't think guys truly understand how many people listen to what they say and, and how much of an impact they have on, on uh, some people. So if you have a platform and a way to speak, you know, we can all speak, but, you know, a lot of us aren't ever heard because nobody really cares if you're, you know, just sort of an average person on Twitter, I guess, you know, it's, so I think we have to recognize the opportunity we have here to really affect change, uh, even at a small level, even if only, you know, if only 10 or 12 people here and maybe do things differently, that's that's worth it. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of those guys who knelt, you know, with 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 uh, with Dumba and the, you know, the, the Stars game. I think that was a really powerful moment. And, um, you know, I think it's it'd be great if, you know, we could have a broader discussion about this and just make it a more open topic to to not be afraid of and and you know uh really just just touch on it and see what we can do better you know as a society as a sport um so i i think it's a step in the right direction and hopefully we can see more of that yeah no so well said Corey, and 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 certainly you know the idea that you've got a lot of players wanting to at least i think educate themselves and by the way same for me um you could really feel that I think around hockey right now, and you know, still a lot of growth and education to be had here. But uh, but but I think it's it's really terrific what we're seeing right now as far as the response. Um, 
Uh, now, I, listen, we, we haven't even talked about your team uh, on this yet, and and we'd be remiss. You you, you had a, you had a coaching change uh, since your season ended. Uh, although my sense of it is that I think. Lindy Ruff and uh, Alan Nasruddin have hit it off, so I think that uh, he'll be back as a part of your staff. But I don't know if that's been made official yet or not. We'll see what Lindy decides. But what have your conversations been yet, if you've had any, with Lindy Ruff? Yeah, he touched base a couple weeks ago. I think he was reaching out to a lot of the guys just to say hi. A very casual conversation, just, uh, you know, how you doing? You know, what are you about? You know, just excited to work with you. We didn't really get into the nitty gritty of, of the team it's still so far away <laughs> that there'll be plenty of time for that but um yeah you know uh I was a little surprised just in the sense that I don't think he was uh, a name that was mentioned a lot you know you hear rumors or you hear all right here's the guys they're looking at and um you know he had a lot of success obviously he's had a he's had a lot of success as a coach especially in Buffalo Dallas had a few good runs with him um so you, you know you, I think it's easy to forget you know in this game if you're not in a head coach for a couple of years, um, people tend to like kind of forget your body of work. So, um, you know, I thought it was an, an interesting choice. You know, I, again, I don't know a lot about him as a coach. Uh, I've talked to a few guys, but, um, you know, I, I've heard he's a good person and that he brings a lot of energy. And I think for our group, we, we have, I think the youngest team in the league by the end of the, by the shutdown, we traded away all our, all our mm-hmm. old guys. Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting to, to see how he communicates and works with our, our young core because I think, again, we have a lot of really talented young players who um, are going to need some development and some guidance. And, and um, you know, hopefully this is a step in the right direction. Yeah. So just uh, I, seriously, we are going to talk about what actually is happening on the ice now. But I, I'm curious, having talked to Tom Fitzgerald um, right around the time that they formalized that he would stay on as the GM of the Devils and how frustrating it was for him to to look ahead and realize that there is this enormous gap for the seven teams that didn't uh, get invited to the return to play uh, tournament uh, and and how you know, what What can be done and how can a team like the New Jersey Devils and Corey, you mentioned it. I mean, so many interesting young players and players that need to be on the ice and developing, you know, how do you, how do you make that work? And I wonder what it's like for you, right? I mean, it's a, you know, the season didn't go the way anyone wanted it to go in New Jersey. How do you make the best use of this time? And how do you, you know, how do you confront trying to get ready for the start of a 2021 season that, you know, maybe it's you know hopefully early December, but who knows? Could extend even into January. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's the million dollar question: is is how do you navigate this? And you know, from my personal uh, standpoint, uh, I turned thirty four. Yeah, I think I'm thirty four. I turned thirty four um, a week after the shutdown. You know, so I was thirty three when play stopped. And if we get going again, I'm going to turn 35 pretty quickly into next season, you know? So for me, it's, yeah. it's, you know, these are valuable years of my career and life and uh, you want to make the most of them. So just losing it is, is difficult. And it, it's tenfold, I think, for some of these young guys to, to maybe not have a, a calendar year of development is, is, it's tough, you know, cause uh, these are the, the prime years of their careers and very valuable in terms of development and learning experience. Um, so I don't know how you, you can't replicate or get it back in any way. So you have to figure out how to maximize the time you have. And, and that's where it gets interesting. You know, we had a call um, with the seven teams that aren't 
playing on, hey, what do we, what do you guys want to do? And I think, you know, most of us as competitors say, yeah, we'd love to like try to get together and do something at some point during this, you know, in, in a organized sense with the team. Uh, however, in September, you know, are we going to make guys come from Europe and Canada and quarantine for two weeks to do a one week conditioning camp? You know, what if the virus is, you know, as it is in some parts of the country, you know, raging, like, are you going to demand that guys come in and risk their health to, to do a conditioning camp? You know, so it, that's sort of the, the dilemma, you know, it, what's, what is the reward and what is the risk? And, you know, again, I, I think as competitors, we'd all love to get back and skate and be with our teammates and, and just have some sort of sense of normalcy. Um, but at what cost? And can you really demand that of, of guys to do that? And that uh, that's that's the hard part. That's going to be the question is, you know. But, yeah, like you said, we have a new coach. Like, we're going to be at a decided disadvantage come training camp for from the teams who've been playing right now. They have their systems. They're fresh. You know, they it's in their minds. Like, we're coming off an eight-week layoff or an eight-month layoff, excuse me, with a brand-new coach who we don't know, and he's installing new systems, and we have a two-week training camp to get ready. Like, that's going to be really difficult, especially for a team like ours. So is there any way we could maybe, you know, come in early and just do meetings, you know, only off-ice organized activities in terms of, you know, systems and learning and things like that? Like, you know, what kind of – are we able to get an advantage? But, you know, then it's maybe the other teams will not like that either. So it there's a lot that still needs to be decided and hashed out, I think, here in terms of logistics on how uh, we're going to be on equal footing coming back out of this pandemic. Yeah, so Corey, just to follow up on that quickly, I, I, I asked Bill Daly about this in an interview last week that I knew that the seven teams or the front offices anyway, were hoping to have some kind of camp, you know, because of how long you guys are going to go between competitive games. Um, and Bill Daly, all he said was that he had begun preliminary discussions with the NHLPA about all this. But I, I, I got to think at the end of it, uh, you know, it, it's going to have to be voluntary, I would think, right? Unless you guys signed off on something different as players. Yeah, and, and that's the key point is that we have to sign off on anything. So, you know, the teams can't unilaterally implement anything without us, you know, agreeing to it. Um, you know, it, you might look at it as an outsider and say, well, what the heck, like, why won't you guys go skate and just do your job? You know, which is, you know, a valid point. <laughs> I think we all would like to do that. Uh, however, there are ramifications and unintended consequences. You know, if we set precedents here of, you know, off ice or off season activities, does that then open the door in the future for teams to kind of come back and say, well, you did it once, you know, let's do it again and make it a thing where players may not really want to do that, you know, in, uh, in perpetuity. So, um, you know, there are, and, and just, again, the, the health and safety factor, you know, um, mm -hmm. can we ask guys to, to do that? Is that fair of us to demand that players come and risk their their safety to get in shape, you know? Um, so it becomes more than just, yeah, you know, let's just get together and, and skate. So I agree with you. I think it would have to be some sort of voluntary captain practice type uh, event. In which case, is that worth it? You know, are you going to get as much out of it as you need to or can if it's not, um, you know, run by the team or coaches or structured in a certain way? So, again, I think those are all trade-offs that as players we need to talk about and decide and, and figure out going forward what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Corey, let's uh, let's turn our attention to, add to your current part-time gig as an analyst uh, working with NBC. Uh, this whole uh, 
qualifying round part of the return to play, I, I think, has been so fascinating. And I think it's been especially curious um, to watch teams, how they handle their goaltending, because, of course, in, you know, during these best of five series, uh, there are back to back games scheduled, which almost never happen in NHL playoffs. And I wonder, especially for goaltenders, how, how does that change the dynamic? Like, what's it like to I don't know if you've ever played back to back in the playoffs, but what's it like even just playing back to back in the regular season? And does if if you're watching it from the outside, going, "Geez, uh, that really is a big deal in terms of the goaltending and what coaches decide in this play-in round." Yeah, and you know, to be honest, I've been pleasantly surprised with the goaltending so far. You know, there have been very few blow-ups or guys getting pulled or you know, bad goal. There are some bad goals, but that happens all the time. Um, and, you know, I think coming out of this, you wondered the most about the goalies, you know, who's going to be in rhythm, who's going to be focused, you know, sometimes guys take a few games to like really find their groove. And I think, you know, credit, you know, as, as a card carrying member of the goalie union, you know, I'm always going to pump their tires. Um, of course. you know, I, you know, I give them a lot of credit, all these guys who've come in and jumped right into the playoffs and, uh, and played really well, I think by, you know, by and large. And, um, in terms of the, you know, the, the scheduling, you're right. It's, it's, it's uh, difficult back-to-back playoff games. Uh, there's an extra element, I think, in the playoffs. You spend more energy emotionally, physically. Uh, it takes a little bit more out, out of you. So, um, you know, I've seen, obviously, Carolina went with Reimer last night on the back-to-back. You know, they're probably in a bit of a more advantageous position to do that, up 2-0 and, you know, finishing it off. Um, but, I, I, again, I think, you know, just – the unknown coming into this of how, what kind of shape guys are in injuries, um, you know, layoffs, like to have two guys you can count on and get them both in the mix, I think is important because you may, as we've seen more and more uh, in recent playoffs, you, you, you almost need that second guy to go to if you can, if things aren't going well, or if your guy gets hurt. Um, so, you know, I, I, I have found it interesting and it's tough in a short series. You know, you look at a team like the Rangers who has three guys that can play, and it's a good problem to have, you know, it's like pitching, you know, you can never have too much of it. Um, but at some point in a short series, it can almost become a problem because you better, you know, I got to pick the right guy. And if he doesn't do it, do I go to the next guy? You know, it becomes a bit of like a shell game. You start moving around and like, you know, trying to figure out which one to go with. It, it can cause, I think, more problems than, than uh, solutions. Cause I, I, you know, this is my opinion, but if you ask most coaches, I think, they would say, I would love to have a guy that I can just pencil in every single night. I'd love for him to get hot, get into rhythm and just go with him. You know, coaches always say it's good to have two guys who can play. And I agree with that, as I just said. However, I think for their peace of mind and, and mental state, they don't have to sit there wringing their hands every night about, all right, who am I going to go with? Who am I going to go with? Because it falls on them. So, you know, I, the, and we talked about it too in the studio that there aren't many right now in this playoff guys who are, are the guy. You know, it's Vasilevsky um Crawford perhaps um Hellebuck like there aren't many who are just like the bona fide all right no matter what we're going with this guy even teams like Boston and Dallas you know they got Tuca and and Bish who are fantastic and great goalies but you know Kadobin and Halak have been as good you know so they also have a 1A type situation 1B so uh, I find that really interesting because the days of you know we're going to play 60, 65 games and you're going to be in the net the whole playoff, no matter how you play. Those are kind of gone in a sense. And it's all right. What have you done for me lately? How'd you play last night? OK, we're going to go with the other guy or, you know, the schedule. It's back to back. All right, let's play the other guy because we can rely on two guys now. It used to be like that. Right. Corey, I know we've had you on too long here, but uh, 
Yeah, I've been writing about this the last couple of years. I remember writing about it in the cup final with Tuka Rask last year about how the Bruins were one of the first teams to aggressively pursue the science behind, you know, resting your top guy and not overtaxing him. And that's why they, that's why they signed Halak. Um, and it seems to be the trend for a lot of teams. Now it's, you know, Montreal, for example, had hoped to limit Carey Price this year to a certain amount of games, but then they got into a, a complete survival for their season. So now they're going to Carey Price every night. Right. So that's, it's hard. It's hard on some teams, depending on where you are. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's one guy I forgot in that list of, uh, you know, guaranteed stars is, is obviously Kerry. Um, and and yeah, you know, you always talk about it. You, you, everyone has a plan until things don't go according to plan. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, you got to you got to ride this guy. You got to you know, you got to bury him just to get in the playoffs, you know, like, all right. And, and now how is he mentally? How is he physically? Do we do too much to him? So I think in that sense, this layoff, the, the you know, the whole shutdown. Uh, has allowed guys like him to kind of refresh and, uh, you know, get rest and, and feel good physically coming into this. So um, that'll be interesting to watch, too, going through this this grind of a playoff of, uh, you know, it's not a typical playoff where teams aren't beat up. Goalies aren't taxed. You know, it's everyone's coming in fresh. So, hey, maybe we can push this guy a little bit harder now than we would have if it had been a, a normal, you know, season in playoffs. Uh, Corey, uh, if I can just uh, finish with one question, then we'll let you get on your way as you head towards the NBC studios. Uh, I know last night you mentioned James Reimer coming in to play in Game 3 for the Carolina Hurricanes, and, and truly one of the great sequences I've seen of, of goaltending and defensive help in many years, which was outstanding. So you should go watch that if you haven't seen it. But on the <laughs> other side of that uh, uh, other side of that coin, um Igor Shosturkin came in, played for the Rangers, his first appearance in the what was a three-game sweep by the Carolina Hurricanes. But it certainly raises a lot of questions about, you know, one of the uh, one of the best goaltenders of his generation and, and your peer and a guy you've seen certainly within that New York uh, area the last few years uh, in Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, certainly lots of questions uh, about what happens moving forward. We know the cap is going to stay flat and, you know, a lot of issues. And, and, and I wondered if there was a moment last night as you were watching in studio, wondering if maybe that, that was the last time we'll see Henrik Lundqvist in a New York Rangers Jersey. And, and if so, what that, what that would mean for one of the classiest guys in the game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a little difficult for me as a, as a devil to talk about the Rangers so much the last few days. That's been a, <laughs> yes. that's been a challenge. <laughs> um, but you, you, know, you raise a good point. It's, it was similar to, you know, my situation when I came to New Jersey with Marty, you know, Marty icon legend, you know, I had his posters on my wall as a kid, you know, it's like, and it's just strange not seeing him in a, in a devil's uniform, you know, that year he left. And, uh, it was bittersweet, you know, you know, had a great career, you know, best goalie of all time, uh, you know, so many things you can hang his hat on. Uh, but it's, it's still, it's, it's, you know, me as a Patriots fan, it's like Tom Brady, you know, like it's just weird. And uh, for Hank, you know, obviously I've, I've gone head to head against him and wanted to beat him more than probably any other goalie in the league when we play the Rangers. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that I've just had a tremendous amount of respect for, you know, um, you know, he clearly cares a lot and, and works really hard. And I think, you know, you, you, no matter what you, you know, if you're for him or against him, you know, as a player, you just have to respect that, that he's, 
the level of consistency he's had since he came in the league, it's just like automatic, you know, 30 wins, 920 save percentage, going to be in the mix for the Vesna, going to give his team a chance, you know, and, and I think people uh, underestimate how hard that is, the, the consistency aspect of goaltending. It's, uh, it's hard to be good every single year because things happen. The team in front of you, and I talked about it last night a little bit, it's a completely reactive position. There's nothing you can do. You can't proactively go do anything. You sit there and you take what's given to you by the team in front of you. And so there's a lot of things that you don't control. And for him to just do what he did, he's done year in, year out for the last, you know, 10, 15 years is remarkable. And I think, you know, similar, again, a guy I played with Roberto Luongo, you know, in the moment you may not appreciate him or you do. uh, But then I think when he's, when he's done, you know, and you look back at his career, you sit there and shake your head and be like, wow, like that's, that's pretty amazing what he just did. And, um, you know, and I, I like how you guys are saying you're keeping me too long and I'm the one who's just talking the whole time. Um, <laughs> you know, it's how it's supposed it's, to uh, go. It's that's how it yeah, works. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I've I found fascinating, I, you know, as as a guy who's been in the league for a while and kind of come through this generation, you know, there's only 62 spots for goalies. There's only 62 jobs available. And if you get one and you lock one down or they sign you a long term contract, you know, half the league is, is taken up and you've seen this, uh, you know, kind of, I sort of call it my generation of goalies. You know, you go down the list, Rask, Bishop, Price, Crawford, myself, Jimmy Howard, you know, there's a good 15 to 20 starters of my age group. You know, we kind of had a really good run of goalies at this age and you're sort of, you know, as you get older, it's just, it's part of life. It's part of the career cycle. The next guys are going to come through and take jobs and establish themselves and, um, you know, I feel like we were, you know, pretty blessed to have that group of guys who's sort of like man the nets for the last 10 years and you haven't really thought about it, but then you're kind of like, all right, who are the next guys? Like what's, what's the next generation look like? Who, who are going to be the guys that are going to stand out? And they've started to emerge. You started to see guys like Vasilevsky and Hellebuck and, um, you know, guys are starting to lay, lay that claim because for a while there, there wasn't really anybody, you know, there wasn't, there weren't really a lot of guys who were like knocking down the door to take jobs and steal it from, you know, our early thirties, mid thirties crowd that we got going on here. So you look at Shesterkin and you sort of say, and Carter Hart, you know, these young goalies who you're like, these guys are good. You know, Shesterkin is, he's the real deal. And, and uh, just having played the position, obviously it's, it's, it's a very difficult job. And to see young guys do it at that age, you know, Carter Hart's 21, you know, when I was 21, I, you know, I just gotten my, ID in college and I was looking for beer money in my couch trying to go to bars and just you know be a college kid and to, you know to think about playing in front of Philadelphia fans in the goalie graveyard and what that what that entails like at when I was 21 like no chance you know like I, I couldn't even wrap my head around that so um, it's you know as an older guy you want to keep your job don't get me wrong like you're sitting there you're fighting for your career and your livelihood and and that's that's a part of the game but it's encouraging to see, like I said, young guys coming in and that, you know, all right, we're going to have some good goalies here because the game's only getting harder for goalies. They're not making it easier on us. And the guys are more talented and more skilled. And uh, it's good to see that there are guys who are going to take that mantle and, and uh, hopefully prevent some goals for the next decade or two. That's great. Listen, Corey, thank you so much for taking the time today. And listen, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty about when you guys may get back on the ice, but trust me, Pierre and I are always happy to have you on Two Man Advantage. So if you get bored, 
You know, like just, uh, you know how to get, you know, the door is always open at Two Man Advantage. But uh, I, I hope that the, the rest of, of your gig as uh, as an analyst with NBC goes well. And um, thank you so much for taking the time and, and stay safe and stay healthy. I will. I appreciate it, guys. And next time, just give me a word limit so that I just know when to stop talking. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, you're all good. But, uh, it was perfect. No, th- yeah. <laughs> Okay. Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's, it's fun to talk hockey again and sort of like, like I said, just have some sense of normalcy. So hopefully you guys uh, stay safe and uh, have a lot more hockey. Okay. That sounds great. Thanks, Corey. Great. Sounds good, Corey. All right, guys. Thank you. I know we say this quite often about our, our guests, but it it is always a treat to talk to Corey Schneider. He's just, I always just such an insightful, thoughtful guy and Listen, we're we're not rushing him into retirement, but I got to tell you, there there will be a million doors that will open for Corey Schneider when he decides that playing is not for him anymore. Um, what, what, oh, lots to unpack there, but uh, what do you take away from our conversation with Corey? Yeah, he's about as uh, thoughtful as they come, you know, um, and and especially for a goalie, he's not he's not a weirdo, which is nice, you know. I mean, that's uh, <laughs> no, true, he, he's right? he's always had a lot to offer, and and you know. I mentioned when we talked about him being on all these calls during the CBA negotiations yeah. and the return to play, like he's always volunteered his time that way. And, and he, you know, he was on the competition committee. You remember this, Correct. like he was yeah. essentially the goalie that was in the crosshairs of helping Kay Whitmore shepherd through all these goalie equipment changes. And that's not ideal. Cause you know that he would have heard from other goalies in a fraternity saying, what are you doing? Um, so I always credit him for, for having the courage to do that. But, um, but you know, his career's, uh, you know, hit some, some, some lows here too. And hopefully it was nice to see him back in goal this year and hope he stays healthy. Cause I think he can still have some really nice years and he's got two more years on his deal at 6 million a year. Obviously you got Mackenzie Blackwood there. We'll see what Lindy Ruff, you know, decides as the new coach. And I'm sure that makes you know, I'm sure Corey's wondering about all that. What will the new coach think, right? Um, as far as how the uh, the tandem will go moving forward. But, uh, yeah, when he's done, I mean, whether it's television or who knows, maybe there's a future in management uh, on the NHL yes. side, uh, you know, for a guy like Corey Schneider just because of his obvious hockey IQ. Yeah, no, no kidding. And I was thinking the exact same thing that um, he mentioned uh, Marty Berdur, who, of course, is, you know, back in he's sort of circled back through St. Louis and now back with the Devils. And who knows? I, I could I could see that uh, similar kind of track for Corey Schneider very easily. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I like I feel just dis- a bit disconnected from you, pal. And it's, you know, it's you, <laughs> listen, you earned that time off. And I wonder what it was like for you. Because so much has happened uh, in terms of, you know, all the planning that we talked about. And we talked about it a lot during the pause. And then to see it actually put into practice and to actually see the bubbles and you see, you know, knock on wood, no positive tests. And the games have gone off and there's been a ton of drama. I, I want you to be honest with me. What what have you have have you been able to engage at a point where you can say, yeah, I, 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 I like what I'm seeing on the ice. Or are you a little bit lukewarm about it? Or what's your, what's your take on? You know, we're, it, it, we're only five days in, but it feels like you know we're like game 280 or whatever. Hmm. Well, I think in terms of 
you know, the safety of the bubble and the games being pulled off and the, the crazy logistics involved, I really tip my hat to the NHL and, and the NHLPA to have, you know, negotiated this and, and got this all off the ground. Like, honestly, it's stunning. I really had reservations about whether they could pull this off. Now, you know, as Bill Daly said to me last week, like, you know, they got to get through this. <laughs> this is just a qualifying yeah, round sure. and they still have to keep going. Yeah, but sure. it's it's yep. amazing. Like, I guess right there with the NBA, those are the two leagues right now, the NHL and NBA, that are really, that are shining bright for how they've pulled off their their season resumptions, I think. I mean, baseball's a mess, as you know. I mean, somehow baseball thought, hey, let's just go keep traveling city to city during COVID. <laughs> What could go wrong? I and I know it's more complicated than that. I mean, you know, you have to have the players on board. And I know they were, you know, it's not that simple. But still, it's not surprising to see what's going on in MLB. So hockey deserves a lot of credit for that. I don't know from watching the game. And I'm loving watching hockey all day uh, here at the lake. But I can't tell you that I feel yet like it's the typical feeling I get in the first round of a real playoff. I, I think that. And I think it's understandable. I mean, it, you know, in a normal year, pre-COVID, when you get to the playoffs, you know, it's after 82 games and the teams are so amped up and the physicality's through the roof. It, there's nothing like the first round of the NHL playoffs. And, of course, we're not in the first round of the NHL playoffs yet, so who knows what next week will bring, right? Maybe that, that is when we'll see this. But I, I do feel like while the games have been, you know, pretty intense for four months off, I think that there's still some feeling out, which is natural in my mind. I wonder if – I'm wondering the same thing, and I, I, I've loved it. I, I think the Hawks have been better than I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, it varies from series to series, right? I mean, some of it's been pedestrian. Um, but I, I there's, you know, like that Winnipeg-Calgary series, I think of the emotion there and, you know, mm-hmm. the loss of Mark Shifley and Patrick Liney. I mean, that's been really interesting. And I have been very fascinated, of course, by – watching Edmonton and Pittsburgh, the two teams that just missed out being in the round robin by, you know, mere percentage points. And now they're in, now they're in, you know, listen, I'm not going to overstate it, life and death relative to hockey, but they're in a real struggle with Chicago and, and Montreal respectively. Do you think that the teams that ha- that are going to, that get through and play the round robin teams. That, I, I got to tell you, I, I I'm barely watching the round robin games because to me it's completely mm-hmm. different, right? I mean, those teams, yeah. I, I I to me it's those games look to me like exhibition games. I wonder if you think the round robin teams will be at a disadvantage, and let's say for instance, like I, whoever knows like what what it's going to look like, but let's say Dallas and Edmonton, if Edmonton can prevail over Chicago is Edmonton in a better spot hitting that traditional first round like you say and then now you're right in it uh, like I wonder if that if you think there will be or or does is it the opposite mm-hmm. does Edmonton struggle so much to get by Chicago if they do that they they've you know they've sort of leaked uh, <laughs> they've leaked out fuel and, and maybe a team like Dallas can take advantage of that yeah, so I, I think it's hard to give a blanket answer to that, and I'll tell you why. Yes, I've talked to, you know, uh, i got to be careful here, can't reveal, but I've talked to people on some of the round-robin teams that are concerned about that, that it's going to be hard to, that they do feel they're at a disadvantage because they're going to play a team coming in hot from having, you know, survived the series. What I will say is that 
I don't think every team that makes the the playoffs, the real playoffs, is in the same position. In other words, I love where Carolina is because they swept the Rangers and now they get the rest. And they played real hockey. So I think that's a dangerous team. But I think if you're a team that's going to have to go five right to Sunday and then turn around and quickly play again on Tuesday in the first round of the playoffs... Where are you at physically at that point? Uh, you know, what, what, what were the ramifications of putting your roster through that in a real compact schedule? So I, so I guess what I would say is I don't think there's an answer that fits all here. I think there are some teams coming out of the qualifying round if they get enough rest that will have an edge on their round-robin opponent. But there's other teams that may, it just may, you know, you look at the Jets right now, you know, they're down 2-1 as we tape this. But if they somehow come back and beat Calgary in five, you know, what's their lineup looking like next round, right? So it really depends on, sure. I think, each yeah. each individual case in my mind. Yeah, good point. Um, all right. Um, you know, I feel like, I, are there things you we should catch up on? Um, we talked a little bit about with Corey about changes in New Jersey with Lindy Ruff coming in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, since uh, it, 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 the Arizona Coyotes embroiled in a back and forth series with the natural predators of course they uh, they don't have a full-time gm with them in the bubble in edmonton but steve sullivan uh, uh the timmins tornado the, i was just gonna say the timmins you know in the little northern ontario blood there what do you make of 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 what it ha- what has happened with arizona and i uh, to me big picture maybe this opens a door to you know to to really get it right in Arizona, you got an owner that it sounds like they are, I know we've heard this a million times, but really are inching towards an arena deal that would see an arena on the right side of the valley there. Um, an owner with deep, deep pockets and it and sounds like a real commitment to build a winner there. Uh, but now they have to make sure that they get, that they that they have the proper hockey ops department there. I, I just think it's so critical mm-hmm. there and I wonder what you make of it. Well, that was a complete gong show in terms of how it went down with John Chaka. And, you know, I want to be careful that, you know, you get told things on one side and then you hear versions on the other side and, you know, who's to say. So I, I don't want to get into that. But you can't disagree with the very simple fact that that's a pretty brutal way right before the tournament starts for the league to see something happen with one of their tournament teams. And we'll see where that all goes between, uh, you know, Cheka and Coyote's ownership uh, moving forward. Uh, but uh, I will say this. I hope that Steve Selvin, and I bet you John Cheka feels this himself. I hope Steve Selvin gets a real look and it's not, and he's not just, uh, you know, uh, holding on to the lantern until the next person comes in because, you know, I think he's paid his dues and he's a bright guy. Um and, and, you know, again, this is a franchise that forever has tried to get things right. Oh, my goodness. You know, imagine the book, our old pal Craig Morgan, who's not with us anymore at The Athletic, but we hope his new gig goes well. But imagine the book he could write on, on that franchise. And, and, you know, you're excited about, you know, Morello, new ownership, uh, everything that could happen there. But, again, you hope they get it right. I mean, it's just... It's just soul sucking uh, what's happened with that franchise forever, and, and they need a you know they need a new rink, whether it's in Phoenix or Scottsdale. That has to happen. They need to get things right. They need to make sure they, you know, they that you know they get this right with the GM and everything else. But I hope so because that's an important market, and uh, it's just one that's been oh boy, not been good for the NHL for a long time. 
Yeah, no kidding. Um, all right, we're getting towards the end here. Is there has there been a, a moment during this return to play? Like, is there a like, okay, that was I'm glad I watched that, or you know, uh, you know, listen, we we're all thinking the best for Jake Muzzin who left the end of that Columbus Toronto oh, yeah. game on Tuesday on a stretcher, and and you just yeah, listen, way more than hockey. You hope that that everything is okay there but that I've been fascinated by that so I'll go back to what you were talking about to me that has looked like real playoff hockey and that has been even though it's been really low scoring I just think the drama has been through the roof in in that particular series but is there something that you've been like okay I you know this tells me at least on some level hockey is back or something that maybe you're like oh I thought they would be better or I you know Tell me what, what's on. What's at the top of your? Well, I'll tell you what I was thinking last night, flipping between games, and uh, and you're right about Columbus, Toronto. That's 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 going to be an unbelievable series, back and forth. I think that it's complete juxtaposition of two extremes in terms of how you build a team and and it clashing uh, in a series. I, I you know, but what I want to mention is Henrik Lundqvist, and we touched on it earlier, but I didn't want to keep Corey longer, so I didn't uh, follow up with Corey on this, but. Um, to see Lundqvist there on the bench last night and what potentially could be his last game ever if they decide to, you know, the whole three goalie thing doesn't work for him. And, you know, I don't know what his future plans are. He's still signed, but obviously there have been, there's been a sense that maybe, you know, it's not going to work for him coming back. Who knows what the Rangers do. But if that is it, it's a sad way to go. And there's no perfect way. I mean, you know, the Dominic Hasek play too long, maybe... Patrick Croix went the other way. I mean, he, I think he called it quits almost before anyone started to speculate it, right? I mean, there's a lot of different ways to go. But, you know, it's sad that if that's the way it went, that, that Lundqvist was not in net. And I, I just think he's such a, an amazing person. First of all, who would have criticized him for opting out? Every player that was on one of those 24 teams had the right, as per the new agreement, to opt out of this tournament, and there wouldn't have been any repercussions. Um and he's got a three goalie situation, which has cost him starts all year. And he and he comes back, comes back for it. And and I just think it it speaks to his, you know, what he's about. Um, obviously, he felt safe enough to come back. And but I just wish things, if it is over, and again, who knows? He may come back next year and steal the job. So I want to be careful here. But if this is it for him, I just want to say that our dealings with him have always been unbelievable that he was a, such a classy guy his entire career and uh you know i wish him nothing but the best yeah you know when i think of henrik you know what he's back in the day when we were both at espn and we used to go to the player tour in the fall and we'd have a suite or a room and do the interviews and sometimes we would do like video bits of it too and i i just remember Hendrick always, you know, he remembers your name. He is, you know, he's answering the same questions for 10 different groups or 15 different groups. And he never, you know, he never rolls his eyes. And I remember asking him about how he got the knot in his tie so perfect. He was like happy to explain that. And and you're right. He just, he, you know, he's, he's a, you know, he's, he's just so, uh, terrific to deal with and, and really a, ter- a terrific reflection on the game and um and you're right it's gonna be interesting i mean you mentioned he's got one more year left he's got 8.5 million dollars we know what the cap's gonna be like like it's there's gonna there are gonna be a lot of casualties when we get around to this off season uh in terms of 
um, you know, in terms of how teams are going to have to make hard decisions on important pieces, right? Because not everyone is going to fit. And, you know, the Rangers are, are no different. And, and you just, yeah, you just hope that it works out the way that Henrik Lundqvist wants it to work out because he deserves that. So I think that's a good point. Um, all right, so... Uh, we're going to do this again next week. Now, you should know. Now, this is, doesn't really affect you. Like, if you ever want to get up early and come on and join me, you can. But uh, we've been running uh, morning two-man advantage. Little, you know, I used it, the Timbit, Timbits analogy uh, the other day. It's like a little burger slider or a Timbit. Uh, but every morning, other than Wednesdays when you and I are chatting, we're going to catch up on what's happening in the world of hockey, which changes every now, day. Now, you'll be, hearing so you from my, you'll be hearing from my lawyer because you've been doing a lot of two man advantage without half of the two man and so uh, I know, I, i'm just gonna let you know you that uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, listen you you, you you snuck slunk off to the lake for a month i i i, 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 I own half that here. brand buddy and now you're just slapping that brand around everywhere <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a little concerned like uh you know <laughs> i'm like don shula's steakhouse right i you know that's it i'm just taking the name uh, but anyway, regardless of whether you try and uh, uh, slap an injunction on me, I'm going to do two-man advantage every morning early on, on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So you should listen to that. And also, <laughs> this is going to be great because we're not quite done, you and I, on Craig Custon's uh, terrific podcast, The Full 60. He's got our NHL Return to Play roundtable uh, in which uh, Ryan Clark, Katie Strang and you and I will be taking part so that'll be I'll be bringing that up with Craig by the way that you've threatened the lawsuit uh, so uh, that is going to be coming your way on Thursday uh, and also you should always check out our comment section for each podcast episode at the athletic app and don't forget to rate and subscribe to two man advantage on Apple and don't forget, if you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash twomanadvantage, you'll get 40% off your subscription. So just before we go, don't forget tomorrow morning, Two Man Advantage, even if there's just one of us early in the morning, don't forget that. And Pierre, it is tremendous to be back on the air with you. It's, it's great to have you back. I missed you tremendously. Um, and we'll do it again. Right on, right on. Right on.